Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philemon. Is that how you say it? How do y'all say? Philemon? Oh, that's good. <laughs> we'll just stick with that this morning. Philemon. I like filet mignon. I thought that's what it was. There's another guy in the Bible called, in this same pattern called Onesimus. Is that how y'all say that? Yeah? Oh, good. So, I don't forgot. Philemon, Philemon. Philemon. <laughs> I'm just going to mess this whole thing up. So we'll just say whatever I want to say, and you'll know who I'm talking about. And when you preach, you can call him whatever you want to call him. But when I preach, you'll have to. So we're in this called How to Neighbor. It's a three-week series, and it builds to this big fall campaign that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But as you're turning there, just one chapter in that book. So you're looking at verse 4, and I just want to thank everybody who was involved in Pray 21. What a great, great time we had. Man, I think... In almost 20 years at Cloverdale, that is the most consistent prayer time. I don't know how you judge prayer, but it was just really, 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 really good. And for the, those that came, thank you. For those, your schedule didn't allow it. We understand it. We'll have other times throughout the year. Remember, still Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 6 a.m., Saturday night at 6.30 if you're able to make those times. And then Friday night, we had a great volunteer bash. We invited everybody that serves on one of our Sunday morning service teams. So if you... Uh, this past year, if you've served on the kids team, the creative arts team, the prayer team, or the hospitality team, we had over 300 people Friday in here, had a great meal, and I haven't laughed so hard in, in a long time. There's this kid that comes to our church. He's about 17 years old. His name is Mason. We've got to get him to do this on a Sunday morning. He is six foot three and six foot of legs. I mean, I'm not. I, he's six foot legs and then the rest of his body. And he lip synced to Beat It by Michael Jackson. You, I mean, it was hilarious. So much fun. We had such a great time. John Watkins won a free trip to Nashville. Uh, Marty Gregory won an Apple Watch. We gave away tons of prizes. We just want to say thank you. We cannot do what we do without volunteers, and you guys make this a great place. If you weren't able to come again, we just want to say thank you guys, and, and God bless you. We're in, we're in, again, we're in this series called How to Neighbor. Uh, Philemon was the only, <laughs> this is going to be tough, he was the only, this is the only personal letter that Paul wrote. He wrote all his other letters he wrote to churches, to groups of people, to clusters of churches. He, wrote his, he writes his personal letter, and it's concerning a guy by the name of Onesimus, which in that day, back, that, back then they had slaves. So Onesimus was a slave. Something happens, and Onesimus runs away. Uh, Philemon is a, he got saved, I think, in, in the church at Colossae, and, and he had a house church in his home, the earlier part of the book says. He's a wealthy man. Maybe he was on Paul's financial supporters. Paul and him have a relationship. This slave runs away 1,300 miles from Colossae to Rome, finds Paul. I don't know what their relationship with, and, and and, and the next few minutes are just theory. I don't know if this is accurate. This is, what I, this is what I think. This is what I think might have happened. Onesimus finds Paul and starts to tell him his story. I've been mistreated. I've been misrepresented. I'm not being treated fair. This isn't right. And Paul says, let me tell you about my story. I was on my way to Damascus to kill Christians. And I was moving up, man, making a lot of money, had a lot of clout, had a lot of potential. And God captures me. And I surrender my life to Christ, and it's never been the same. It's not been easy, but it's been better. And, and, 
Onesimus, I, I understand what it means to be beaten. I've been beaten, stoned, left for dead. I, I have been kicked out. I've been, right now, I'm under house arrest. In a few minutes, minutes another soldier is going to come in. They're going to change places. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. But I, I just want to tell you, Onesimus, in the midst of it all, I have a supernatural peace. I have more joy than I've ever had in my life. I, I might have had more money then, but there's a, more of a sense of security, more of a sense of purpose, more, more of a sense of gratitude and praise. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world has to offer. I'd rather be under house arrest and know Jesus to be living on my own somewhere, doing my own thing, filling, sowing my own seeds uh, without Jesus. I, he's just made the world a difference in my life. And I think Onesimus said, I want that. Paul, I want what you got. And Paul led him to the Lord. And now Onesimus has to go back because it's the right thing to do. And so Paul says, let me help you. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to tell you that you've given your heart to the Lord. I'm going to tell you that you're a great help to the kingdom of God. In fact, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell Philemon that if it, if it wasn't for him, I'd keep you here because you could be of great value and great service to me. But here, take this letter, give it to him. I'm going to pray that he welcomes you like he would welcome me. And here's, here's verse 4 of that letter. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, uh, Philemon. I, I, I appreciate you. Why? Because I hear about your faith in the Lord. You're growing in the things of God. You're memorizing scripture. You're, you're, in, you're doing personal devotions all the time. And your love for all the saints. I love how you love the church. And I want to tell you, Clover, I love this church. I would come here if I wasn't the pastor. I love it. I love the people. I love what we're trying to do. I love what we're accomplishing. I love the difference we're making. I just love it. And Paul says, man, I love that you're connected to the church, that you're a part of it. But here is the fear that we love the church so much that, that, that we just get inclusive, that we, get our, that we just become inward, that we become all about us, and we forget about a world that's lost and needs Jesus. See, if you've been saved as long as I have, there is just a tendency, a, a natural shifting that it goes away from lost people and all you do is connect with people that look like you and act like you and talk like you, that vote like you and, and, and have the same mindset and the same faith in Jesus. And Paul says, I love that about you, but I'm also praying that you'll be active in sharing your faith because sometimes... You can get so caught up in the church that you forget that you weren't made to just become a smarter Christian. You, you weren't. God didn't save you so, so you could just be connected to your small group. He didn't save you so that you could go into hiding and complain about the culture and talk about how bad the world is. He didn't save you so you could go into your house and hide. He saved you so you could go in the world and shine. And sometimes if we're not careful, and I'm telling you, Today, probably, you're not hearing anything new from me, but I needed the reminder, and I think you need the reminder, that when God saved us, he put his seal of approval on us, and he commissions us, and he sends us to be his representative, and his witness, and his mouthpiece, and his heart to a world that is lost and in need of Jesus. And I think Paul is saying, Philemon, you are a great guy, you love the church, you're growing in your walk with God, but you you got to share your faith. In fact, you had this guy Onesimus under your care, under your influence. You had opportunity 
And he had to drive a 1,300 miles where I could get a hold of him and win him to the Lord. I don't want you to miss out on those that are around you. And I want you to be active in sharing your faith. Let's look at some more scripture just as we lay a foundation. Christ has changed us from enemies into his friends. How many are glad and thankful for that? Does it end there? Does it stop there? Oh, game over, man. I'm, I'm now a friend of God. I'm going to heaven. Got a great church. Everything's fine. No, he did that. And now he gave us the task of making others his friends. He freely you have received. Freely you must give. You're a friend of God. Go out and make other people his friends. Be wise, he told the church at Colossians. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. How many know you can be right and still be uh, ineffective? Sometimes all we care about is being right. Paul doesn't say be right. He says be wise. I was at Virginia Beach last summer, and we were walking around the boardwalk, and there was a guy carrying a cross T-shirt, tracks. He had trapped a Muslim, cornered him, and was giving him what for? I mean, they were getting loud. They were arguing back and forth. He might be right. I don't know his motives. I don't know his heart. He might be right, but he wasn't being very wise. In fact, it was, it was becoming unattractive the way that he was doing it. Paul says, be wise. Be, be effective in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Why does Paul need to keep reminding us of that? Because everybody is not where you are in their spiritual journey. Everybody has not had the same opportunities. There are some, you, sometimes we get so frustrated with the world and the way the world, the people in the world act that, that we can become very judgmental and very hypocritical and, and very dogmatic concerning their ways. And, and Paul is saying, hey, don't do that. Be full of grace. If it weren't by grace, if it weren't by the grace of God, there's no telling you where you would be. Be gracious with people. Don't give grief. Give grace. Be merciful. Seasoned with salt. Salt makes things taste good. Do it in a way that people can swallow it so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's, here's what Peter said. Always be prepared. And that's what I want to help you do today. I, I want to help you to be prepared. I want it to take the fear. I want to take the the feeling of inadequacy and, I mean, I can't be a witness. I can't share my faith. I'm, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I, I just can't do it. I, we've all been called to be Christ's ambassadors, to be his mouthpiece. And I want to prepare you today to give an answer to everyone who asks. And, and, and here's, the, here's the conclusion, or here's, the, here's what Peter is saying. People are going to ask, if you're different, you're going to be able to make a difference. If you're, if, you're, if you're different than the world, how is your marriage like that? How come your kids like to be around you? How, how come you respond like that? Why didn't you blow it? Why didn't you get mad? Why, why are you still working here? What, what? And when we're, when we're living in a way that's sought and grace and, and wise, people are going to begin to ask, why are you so different? How are you doing this? And we're going to be able to give the reason for the hope that we have. So, so this morning, I, again, I want to take away the fear. I want to take away the pressure. And even right now, some of you are going, I, I, I can't do it. You, I'm too shy. I'm too this. I'm too that. Listen to what Paul said in the message. 
He said, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, this is, Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. Paul was the master missionary. He was the apostle of the apostles. Paul, he had it going on. I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophies. Sometimes we think we got to have this perfect plan laid out, and we've got to be so dynamic in our presentation, and we've got to be, I mean, I think sometimes that can even come across as fake. You don't want to be anything other than you. You, you don't have to convince somebody. You, you just got to share your faith, polished speeches and latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I did it on purpose. I didn't want to boggle you down with all kind of... Uh, all kind of stuff, all kind of theology. I didn't want to talk about eschatology or pneumatology. I just wanted to talk about Jesus. I just wanted to keep it simple, who he was and what he did. Just Jesus crucified. I was unaware of how to go about this, and I felt totally inadequate. Anybody relate to that? I was even scared to death, if you want to know the truth of it. And so there was nothing that I could say that they could have impressed you or anyone else. But the message came through anyway. Here's the promise of God. You just partner with him. You just make yourself available. I'm going to tell you how in a minute. But you, you just, the message is going to come through. Well, how's that going to happen? God's spirit and God's power did it. Every time, just about every Sunday I get up to preach, I remember a, a verse in Matthew chapter 9 that says, when you're brought before men and women, it won't be you speaking, but the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And so I say, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm your instrument today. You, you got to help me. When you're sharing your faith, when you're witnessing, when you're trying to be sought in light, I'm your instrument. I'm changed in your pocket. You can spend however you want. I, I'm going to do my best, but I'm dependent on your spirit and your power. And, and, and that's what made it clear. Your life of faith is a response to God's power. It's not a response to my ability to present it. It's not a response to, to my cleverness or my keenness or, or anything. It's just a response to the spirit of God. Because I can't use fancy mental or emotional footworking. I can't manipulate you. It's got to be the Spirit of God. So here's what Paul said. I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to depend on God's power and God's Spirit to bring about salvation. So again, okay, how do I do it? How do I keep it simple? How do I make it clear? Here's the first thing. Write it down. Build relationships. Build relationships before you try to correct connect connect with people and again if we're not careful all our relationships are inside here and it just becomes very inward you've got it sometimes you got to be intentional about this you've got to put yourself in situations and one of you know i got three older kids and we adopted a little boy and he's five now and 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 one of the ways that we shared angie and i shared our faith probably more than anything was with our kids sports team i've always coached and i was able to build relationships and many of them are in church today just because of the relationship we built. And I'm not, I shouldn't even say this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not young. I am young. I'm just not as young. Anyway, I'm not, this little boy is going to be tough. But you know what? I'm excited. He's playing soccer this fall. And I just talked to the YMCA, and for some reason, they're going to let me coach. So I'm going to be in a, in a field with a group of people that I've never met before, that probably many of them are outside the, the family of God. And I'm more excited about that than anything, just rubbing shoulders and building relationships, because that's how we're going to win the world. And, and if you're, last night, 7.30 at night, in our neighborhood, the officer at Cosby was the first one on the scene. 7.30 at night. 
a 50-year-old man with three young kids walked out in his driveway. I don't live in a poor, I live in a nice neighborhood. Put a gun to his, under his chin, shot himself. You would have never known it. You would have seen that guy and never thought. I mean, you don't even know what's going on with him. And you don't until you build a relationship. Some of us are so consumed with our job and moving up the ladder and raising kids and all that is fine and, and we need to do that while we're walking by people that look fine on the in, outside, but on the inside they're hurting and even wanting to take their life. It's going to have to, we're going to have to see people not as, a, not as an interruption, but as an opportunity. And we're going to have to build relationships. That's how Jesus did it. Here, here's Jesus' theme verse. It's in Luke chapter 10, 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Well, how did he do it? If that's his purpose, if that's his vision, if that's what he's here for, and that's what he's told us to do, how did he do it? Well, let's look at the context. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. Remember last week we learned about tax collectors. They were Jews hired by a Roman government to extract the tax from Jewish people. It was unfair. It was unjust. It was high. And these, these, these tax collectors under the Roman authority could take a higher tax. So if the tax was 10, they could charge 15 and they could keep the extra. And so they became very wealthy cheating their own people. Zacchaeus was not only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. So he, saw, he oversaw other tax collectors. And he got a skim, he got a piece of everything they collected. So this wealthy guy, rich guy, bottom of the barrel spiritually, a thief in the eyes of the Jews, a, a traitor, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He didn't want to know what Jesus knew. He wanted to see who he was. Who is this guy that lets children sit in his lap? Who is this guy that speaks so lovingly to a prostitute? Who is this guy that, that hangs out with sinners and, and talks about kingdom things? Who is this guy that has rallied these 12 unlikely guys around him and has built a team and they love each other and care about each other? I want to see who Jesus is. I don't really care what, I don't know what he knows. I just want to see who he is. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead of them and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming his way. Do you, you remember, can I sing you that old Sunday school song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little, anybody remember that? Wee little man was he. Yeah, Yvonne, me and you, we remember that. So that's the story. He, this wee little man's climbing it. Some of you think, you just lost your mind. He, he climbed up this, this sycamore tree to see Jesus. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You got to know you're going to hell. You got to know you're, you are such an evil and wicked man. I can't believe what you're doing. Give these people back their money. Stop it right now. No, he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to your house today. I'm a, we're going to build a relationship. I want to know what you're like. I want to know what drive. You know how you can be more effective? Quit telling people all about you and start listening to their story. Say, hey, what, what drives you? What fuels you? Let me know about your kids. Let me know about your life. What are you struggling with? What are you having a hard time with? What are you, what are you doing really good at? I just want to, Zacchaeus, come on, boy. We're going to your house. We're going to hang out. I'm going to your turf, your territory. We're just going to get to know each other. 
Zacchaeus said, sure, I'll come down at once. I'll go with you gladly. Look, you invite somebody to lunch and say you're going to pay for it. They'll come gladly. Just building a relationship. That was kind of funny, but nobody laughed. All the people saw this and began to mutter. The, again, the religious people, he's hanging out with sinners. He just needs to be in the church. He needs to be in small group more. He needs to be, he, he, what is he doing? He's going to get infected. He's going to catch the sin disease. He's going he's to ruin his walk with the Lord. He needs to quit it. He's gone to be the guest of sinners. For the next little bit, we don't know what happens. Luke obviously wasn't in the house. He didn't get invited to the party. And so there's no detail of what happened. But somewhere along the line, the conversation went from Zacchaeus, how you doing? And what, what makes you tick to have you considered spiritual things? And somehow Jesus, in his wisdom, he wanted to be effective. He turned around and Zacchaeus gets saved. How do we know that? Because Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions back to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay four times the amount. And here's what Jesus said. Today, salvation has come to his house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, just summed up everything he did. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. How did he do it? He built relationship. I'm not, I'm not guilting you. I'm not, I'm not doing anything because I'm guilty. I have not done a good job with my neighbors. And I, I got to do better. And this time, if we're going to be the salt and the light, we got to walk across the street. We're sending hundreds of thousands of dollars every year around the world, and rightfully so. But we got our neighbors that are coming outside at 7.30 at night and putting a gun to their head. And it ought not to be. We have got to, we have, our hearts have got to be broken for lost people. It's the heart of God. And they're all around us. And it's not the job of the professional. It's not the job that's getting, it's not the job of the person that's getting paid to do it. It's our job. It's our job. And, and you know how Jesus did it? He just built relationships. And for that to happen, you're going to have to slow down. I'm going to have to slow down. I'm going to have to quit thinking it's all about me. And, I, and I'm going to have to start looking through the eyes of compassion. And again, being intentional and somewhat, somewhat strategic about fighting people over and building relationships with people that are far from God. We, we, we have to do it. And then, and then what do we do? We share our story. Just, just share your story. It, that's all. That's a, don't, don't tell people they have to change. Just tell people how God has changed you. That's worth, that's worth writing down right there. I think we feel like we've got we've to make sure we're not the Holy Spirit. You can't change anybody. All you can do is testify to what God has done in your life. In fact, that's what Acts 1.8 says. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he's going to give you power to be his witness. You're, you're not the judge. I'm not the jury. I'm not the defense attorney. I don't have to defend God. God is big enough to defend himself. I'm not the prosecuting attorney. I'm the witness. The witness, all he does is say what he's heard and what he's seen. This is what I saw, judge. This is what I heard. That's our job. It's like the guy in John chapter 9 who was born blind, and Jesus heals him, and they come to him. Who did this? What happened? Jesus healed me. No, he didn't. He can't do that. There's no way. 
No man can do that. I don't know. You can call him whatever you want. All I know is he made a mud pie, slapped it on my eyes. I open them, and all of a sudden I can see. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Just tell people what God is doing in your life, what God has done in your life. Some of you have a whopping testimony. Some of you used to smoke weed, been delivered, drunk whiskey, shot heroin. Some of you are more like me, not so dramatic. I used to smoke Smarties. You know what Smarties are? They're, they're little sweet tart candies. And you could crush them. We had a, I mean, you could crush them up in that little bag, and you could blow circles with Smarty smoke. <laughs> and your lungs wouldn't even get bad. That, that was our sin. I mean, but some, we, we used to I drink NyQuil. I'm a recovering addict. I mean, I like, I like NyQuil when I'm sick. I didn't shoot air when I shot squirrels with BB guns when I was a kid. But Jesus still saved me. Here, here, here's, here's my story. Here, here it is. And I grew up in the church, and I became very religious. Sat in the same seat every week, heard message after message, in a great church with a great pastor and a great youth group. But I got to thinking that God ought to be very lucky to have me on his team. I was good. I was moral. Obeyed most of the time. Did, did what I was supposed to do most of the time. I'm sitting in a service, I'm 17 years old, in the same seat on a sunny night, and a teen challenge group comes. They sing songs, teen challenges, recovering addicts, and they start talking about their stories, how God delivered me from this, and how God set me free from that. And I sat in my seat with my, cro- my arms crossed, and in my mind I thought, I'm glad I'm not like them. And the Spirit of God convicted me and said, you're just like them. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Stan, your righteousness is like filthy rags. You need Jesus. And that night and that evening, I can can remember it as long as it was ago. I surrendered my heart to the Lord. And I've been far from perfect, and I've had many ups and downs. But when I said yes to Jesus, I... I, gotta, I got to be a part of a place. I'm, I'm a part of a people I feel like is the greatest people in the world. I'm a, I'm a part of the church and specifically this church. My best friends have come from the church. I love it. I was given a new purpose. You say, well, what's your purpose? My purpose is to know God. I mean, that's what I want to do more than anything. I want to know God. I want to grow to my maximum potential. I don't have to compare myself with anybody else. I don't have to be Billy Graham. I don't have to be... Uh, Joe Osteen, I have to be Stan Grant. I got to grow to my maximum potential, and I got to sow seeds that benefit others. That's my purpose. That's my focus. I've given, been given a supernatural peace because of Jesus, regardless of what happens. I know that he's working, but for my good, because I love him, and I've called it according to his purpose. That's my story. I wouldn't want life without Jesus for anything. You can give me all the money and all the accolades and the biggest church and the biggest ministry. I want Jesus. It's my story, like it or not. And, and, and what we're dependent on is to God to use our story for the spirit of God to transform it into the hearts of men and for the power of God to help them recognize they need Jesus. That, that, that's, a, that's what we got to do, tell our story. You remember in John chapter 4, the lady at the well? Jesus talks to build a relationship. You're not supposed to be hanging out with women. There he goes again. Hanging out with sinners. He's going to catch a disease. He's going to get infected. They're going to ruin him. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go sit down and start a conversation with this lady. Started telling her things that nobody else would have known. 
And, and, and you, know, you know what she says? When the Messiah comes, he's going to be able to figure all this out and tell us all about it. And Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And here's, here's, what, here's what she does. I've already, I've already got to the next part. Invite people to church. Here's the next thing. Invite people to church. Come and see. And I'll, and I'll, I'll clarify it. Come and see a man. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Come and see. Come and see. Just, sometimes people just need to be around the presence of Jesus. Need to be in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is moving. I've built a relationship. And they tell me that 75% of people will come to church if you invite them, if you're in some kind of relationship with them. I'm going to go back to my town, the people I know, the people I hang out with. They know my life. They know what I'm about. They know what I've been through. Hey, come out and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out to town and made their way toward him. And here's what happened. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. She didn't know the four spiritual laws. She didn't know pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. She, she didn't know eschatology, pneumatology. All she did was she had an encounter with Jesus, and he changed her life and wanted to get other people in that same environment. Can I, can I just encourage you again? Pastor, how big you want Clover Hill to be? If there is somebody in Chesterfield County that doesn't know Jesus, we're not big enough. If there's a neighbor that you have that doesn't know Jesus, we want him here. We, we cannot. We've got to fight this. We, the, the temptation is to just, man, we're big enough. We got enough. Let's just, so, let's just hunker down and hide out until Jesus comes. It, that, that, that thing's got to be broke. We're, again, we're not saved to sit and stew. We're saved to go. We're saved to go and tell and to invite people to come and see. Invite people to church, any service at Cloverville. Don't put your stuff away just yet. Hold tight. I'm not done. I know there's probably no more blanks, but I might give you something you might want to write down. There's just a little chance. There might be something. Trevor, come back to the keyboard, though, will you? We're going into a season every Sunday. Let me talk to our people for just a minute. Every Sunday is an easy invite, I'd like to think. We try to... We try to create a service where your friends will feel welcome and they'll hear the gospel at an easy level and they'll have an opportunity to respond to God's grace. But there are seasons in the life of the church where we are very intentional about inviting people. And we're in one of those seasons. In, in the month of September and October for six weeks, we're going into, a, a, for lack of a better word, a campaign. It's called Explore God. And we're not the only ones. As of right now, I looked last week, there's 107 churches that are involved in it in the Richmond area. So it, it's, there, there is over $200,000 have been spent on advertising. There will be 4,100 radio commercials on secular stations that, in, that just spark conversation. Well, uh, uh, there, there are 20 billboards all around the city that have this explore God, these questions. And here, here's how it's going to work. On Sunday morning, I'm going to preach on topics like, is Jesus really the Son of God? And, and if God's so good, why do bad things happen to good people? And what's my purpose in life? And, 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 and just going to try to answer some questions. And then throughout the week, you're going to have small groups that are going to talk about it and discuss about it. And here's my hope, that you'll invite people to church and you'll invite people to your small group. There's been 17, again, as of last week, 1,700 people have went on the Explore God website to find a group or find a church that's talking about it. 
We're going we're gonna to partner with other churches. We're going to believe God. We've been praying for 21 days that September this fall, we're going to have a harvest of souls. But we can't have it if you don't invite anybody. But if you'll get them here, we're believing God that by his spirit and by his power, they're going to get saved and come to know the same Jesus that you walk with and serve. Invite the church. Build a relationship. Share your story. Invite the church. Let me tell you a story. Never gets old to me. Told it multiple times over the past 20 years. Shonda Pierce tells it. She's a, she's a Christian comedian. She tells a story about a, a little older elder lady, elderly lady named Anna. Anna was very sensitive to her surroundings and very connected and committed to God and ha- really connected to her church. And, and she had a neighbor that moved in. It was a farming community. A neighbor moved right down the street. And so she wanted to welcome him. And so she made an apple pie. And she went over to just build a relationship. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. I'm so glad you're here. I don't, I don't want to take too much of your time. But I just want you to know, if you need a babysitter, they had three little kids. I'm happy to watch them. If you need any help, just let me know. I, I've got some time. And hey, I don't know if you found a church yet, but I go to a church right down the road. Little white church, great people, great singing. You'll love the preaching. If you, if you want to come, I'd love for you to be my guest. A few days later, that man or that family just moved into town, was out in the field getting the farm ready, getting the, getting the rose ready to plant the seed. And, and uh, uh, little Anna looked out her window, saw him, made a big old glass of iced tea, ran it over to him. Hey, hey, I'm so excited. You're working so hard. These rows are so straight. If God cooperates with you, get a little rain, you're going to have a bumper crop. Have I told you? I've just watched your kids. They're, they're beautiful. you got the most precious kids. Anything I can do to help, let me know. I'm so glad you're here. Building a relationship. Oh, and by the way, I go to a church right down the road. I don't know if you found a church yet, but I'd love to have you. A little white church, great people, great music. You'll love to preach and love to have you if you come. A few days later, she's at the grocery store and find, the mom's there. This young couple, the mom is there grocery shopping. And again, strikes up a conversation. Not not too long just to talk to her see how she's doing and by the way have i have i told you about my church little white church right down the road you'll love the people love the music great preaching man you ought to come with me and 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 out of a out of a kindness and respect for little anna or maybe out of if we don't go to church this woman's going to drive us crazy sunday morning they get their three kids they crank up the model t and they drive to that little white church and Nobody remembers the sermon, and nobody remembers the singing. The only thing anybody remembers is at the end of that meeting, that young mom steps out from where where she's sitting. She comes to the front, sits down at the altar. Little Anna meets her, puts her arms around her, and leads her to Jesus. They go home that afternoon, and something's changed about that mom. There's a difference, and that dad says, I got to get what she's got. They go back Sunday night. Before the first song, song is sung, before the first scripture is quoted, he raises his hand and says, what do I have to do to be saved? And they lead him to the Lord. That's a great story if it ended there. But that family had three kids, a boy and two girls. All three of them came to know Jesus. All three of them grew their kids in the church. The, the, uh, Shonda's mom was named Virginia. She had four kids. Two of her kids, two of her boys 
our pastor in a church that planted churches all up along the East Coast. The other boy is active. The other son was active in ministry. Shonda is the one that tells her story. She goes all over the nation, all over the world, speaking comedy, but, but winning people to Jesus. And she says, I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to see my grandmother and my family. And, and, but, I, but really, I can't wait to meet Anna and thank her for baking that apple pie and taking the time to invite a little insignificant couple to church because of her commitment to Christ, her love for people, and her willingness to share her faith. Generations and generations later, Anna is still changing lives. It's the power of an invite. Again, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to encourage you. Who's going to be in heaven because of you? Who have you built a relationship with? And I, I'm not talking, I'm talking to me. Have you been intentional about reaching out to people that are far from God? Are you able to share your story? Or has Christianity so, become so dull and so boring that it doesn't even matter a whole lot anymore? You know what I love talking about? I love, I love talking about working out. I can talk to anybody about working out. I mean, I know you wouldn't know it. You'd think you probably need to go work out. But I like working out. And I get so excited about talking about different programs. And I thought, man, why aren't you that excited about talking about Jesus? And again, it, share your story. Who have you invited to church lately where they can get in the presence of God and have the opportunity to receive Christ? Here's, that's what Paul was telling Philemon. He was just saying, hey, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that, so that people will come to know Jesus, so that people will, eternities will be changed but also so that you'll have a full of understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. What is Paul saying? When you share your faith, you grow. When you're, when you're being intentional about sharing your faith, you're praying. You're looking for opportunities. You're sensitive to your surroundings. When you're, when you're sharing your faith, you're so dependent on God's power and God's spirit that your relationship with him, you're getting out on it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Witnessing takes faith. And God rewards you with a greater, again, with, with building up your faith and your relationship grows stronger. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm praying that you'll be active in sharing your faith so your faith will grow and your love will increase and your passion will be filled. So, fueled. so build relationships and share your story and invite people to church. Amen, everybody. Amen. Bow your heads and your hearts with me, will you? Lord, we thank you for your word today. With your heads bowed and your eyes shut, let me ask a couple questions. Maybe you're like Onesimus, and maybe you're running from something. Maybe you found yourself in a position where, I don't know, you're, you've been hurt, you've been broken. Will God accept me? Will, will God... Does he still love me? Can I tell you that God demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you were yet rebellious and against him, he sent his son to die on a cross for your sin. He's already taken the first step. All you have to do is respond to his love and to his grace. If you're here today and you're far from God, you're, you can be connected to God this morning. 
You don't have to leave in your sin. You don't have to leave the same. You can leave changed by the power of God's grace. If you need God's grace, he's here to meet you today. Maybe you're like I was, just kind of religious, maybe been to church and done the church thing, but, but, but not in relationship with God. Never realized that, that even though maybe you're a good old boy, good old girl, that your sin has separated you from Christ. And maybe the Spirit of God is making you aware of that today. And he's already taken the first step to you. Why don't you respond to him? By inviting him into your heart and saying, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to be religious. I want, to, I want a personal relationship. Why don't you stand to your feet, will you, all around this place. And let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. It's not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I, you, you, I've shared a lot of scripture, but I'm so in need of your power and your spirit. And with the power of God just manifest in this house. Would the Spirit of God reveal to the hearts of those who are outside of a walk with you that they need you? And Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage and the strength and the grace to respond in Jesus' name. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you, if you want to invite him to be your Savior and to be your Lord today, Trevor's going to lead us in a course. We're just going to take a few, few seconds, few moments and invite you to the front. I want to pray with you. Others want to pray with you. We, we, want to, we want to help you cross the line and introduce you to God through His Son, Jesus. Will you come?